Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 11.46 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 13th day of February 2024. This is episode 855 of Bitcoin and got to tell you, man, I got to tell you, uh, yesterday was <coughs> was definitely a no-go for the show. Today almost was not a no-go for the show. My uh, My boy got a bad sinus infection or something, so I had to truck him down to the doctor. Uh, which is, you know, taking longer and longer and longer every time I do that. I I don't know. There used to be a time back in Lubbock, Texas, when I could take my kids right to the pediatrician, to pediatrician's office. Pediatrician would see, you know, my child inside of like, you know, a couple of minutes and everything would be good. But ever since COVID, man, everything has just gone ape shit nuts, man. You can't get in anywhere. So... My apologies for being discombobulated, not doing a show until just now. I hope you guys can all forgive me. Uh, who who knows who's going to be in the live stream because I really just announced this thing. I kind of like ninja, ninja launched on everybody. Now it's time for the Circle P. Strange things are afoot at the Circle P. Indulge in the pure, rich Taste of nature with our artisanal handmade maple syrup, crafted from the very finest of maple trees. Each bottle is a sweet testament to tradition and quality, perfect for pancakes, waffles, or that special recipe needing a touch of sweet complexity. Elevate your meals with the drizzle of our amber delights. Order now! Order now! And taste the difference that only true craftsmanship can make. Do you need maple syrup? Do you want your maple syrup made by hand, by a human, not on a huge machine in the guts of some factory, in the guts of some far-flung country that's probably whipping it up with a whole bunch of corn syrup? No, you're going to get your maple syrup from my friend Beisnerds. That's at B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S, B-E-I-S, N. E-R-D-S. That's pronounced by nerds, like nerds, nerds, but with B-E-I-S in front of it. And if you want to get some soap, you know, clean yourself up. We are coming into spring, and I hope most of you guys are going to start working out in your garden. If you're going to get your hands dirty while you're getting your maple syrup from a friend by nerds, you might as well hit him up to get some of his Sister Sarah's soaps. That's right. Sister Sarah's soaps are the most badass soaps that I've tried. And I've tried many artisanal handmade soaps. This one, these are good soaps. You know, you get the soap from the from the fancy store and it's all artisanal and handmade. And it melts away within a few days of being wet. This soap doesn't do that. 
and yet it is every bit as pretty, smells just as good, but it does a bang up job in getting your hands clean and keeps your hands and skin soft because it's made with animal fat. That's right. Animal fat. You know, the way we used to make soaps before Unilever decided to destroy everything. Anyway, you tell Beisnerds, that's B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S, both on Twitter and on Noster, same handle. You tell him you heard about his products and his sister Sarah Soaps on the Circle P from the Bitcoin and podcast, and he will cut me in. You will be hearing from Maple Trade a little bit later in the show. Now, on to the news. We've got this one. Bitcoin has dropped 2% on hotter than expected U.S. inflation. So you saw the $50,000 mark last night, huh? And then we were about halfway through it. It started kind of flattening out, right? And you know what people started saying? Bart. Not wrong. (laughs) Not wrong. We've got a Bart going on. But instead of just some idiot running around cracking, doing the things that the the guy, the Bartsters actually do, where they're just really funning everybody and getting everybody to FOMO in and then FOMO out, this one actually seems to have a real root in the real world. And this is the CPI numbers that came out, the January CPI readings, in fact. This is going to be uh, written by Christian Sandor Coindesk. Bitcoin fell below $49,000 on Tuesday after a hotter-than-anticipated United States inflation reading weighted on interest rate cut expectations. I don't know why anybody was surprised. I'm honestly shocked that people were caught off guard by this, but whatever. The largest crypto by market capitalization slipped about 2% to 48700 from slightly above 50000 earlier in the day, while the broad market crypto index Coindesk 20 lost a full 2.4%. Later in the day, cryptocurrencies paired some of the declines with BTC recovering to right around 49,100, but most of the Coindesk 20 constituents were still down 2 to 3% over the past 24 hours. U.S. listed cryptocurrency-focused stocks tanked when markets opened, but has recovered part of their losses later in the afternoon. Shares of Coinbase and MicroStrategy were down roughly 3% from Monday's closing price, while large BTC miners, Marathon, and Riot platforms, 5% down and 2% down, respectively. The drop in prices happened. After the January Consumer Price Index, otherwise known as the CPI, showed a 3.1% year-on-year inflation, which was faster than the analyst 2.9% forecast. Market participants now see only a 34% chance of the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates in May, which is down from 52% just one day ago. The lower chance of imminent rate cuts weighed on traditional markets as well, the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond yield advancing 12 basis points while the S&P 500 equity gauge and the tech-heavy NASDAQ composite index declined as much as 2%. Quote, this is not the inflation report that the Federal Reserve wanted to see, and markets have responded accordingly, Craig Erlem said. He's a senior analyst at Oanda. He pointed out the traders now price in only three rate cuts for a total of 75 basis points for the entire year of 2024 which is a significant drop from the 175 basis points that some 
thought was going to happen as early as last month, but suggests that fears about inflation might have swung overly pessimistic. Quote, while markets appeared to be positioned too optimistically last month, I wonder whether the pendulum has now swung. Too far in the other direction, Erlem said. We still have seen substantial progress on inflation, and I expect this, that we'll see more over the coming months. End quote. Erlem noted that the nasty inflation reading came at an unfortunate time for Bitcoin and rug pulled its rally just when it broke above the $50,000 level on Monday for the first time since December of 2021. Quote, while damaging in the short run, I don't think it will dampen the mood in the crypto space too much. Okay, so a couple of things just to, to, to note about this. Again, I want to reiterate that this BART pattern that you're seeing today or from yesterday into today is not a typical BART pattern. The drop on the end of the BART on this pattern has an an actual real world reason for being there. Most of the time you'll see a BART pattern and what a BART pattern is, is BART Simpson. Look at his head. It goes straight up one side, kind of goes to the right hand side and up and down, up and down, up and down, like the little top of BART Simpson's head. And then it plunges on the other side of his head to straight down and you actually get the shape of Bart Simpson's head. That's why we call it a bark pattern. Generally speaking, the dip on that bark pattern is completely unexplained. We know why. It's just traders that are jacking with people. But this time, there was a real reason. So we had a pretty good rally yesterday. Yeah, the the rally kind of ran out, and and generally speaking, that rally kind of ran out getting towards the end of the trading day because a lot of this was ETF inflows. But, but this morning we woke up to CPI numbers that were for some reason hotter than expected. I don't get it. I knew I I there's no way that that inflation is slowing down. It's mathematically impossible for it to slow down this quickly, if at all. Now, here's the other thing to note about the inflation slowing down thing. Um, remember that when the Fed raised the yield on the bonds, the, the, the Federal Reserve rate, right? They added ammunition to their empty gun. So now they, have a, they actually have more runway to work with. And the longer, this is, my, this is my gut feeling, the longer that the Federal Reserve can keep the rates up to the 525 to 5.5% range, the more likely the population of the world, generally speaking, retail portion of the pop- population of the world, will kind of forget about these rates being, that these rates came back up. And then they'll be able to do the exact, and the Fed will be able to do the exact same thing that they have been, that they were doing years and years and years ago, where they continuously dropped the rates to where it was almost zero. And then we had some real problems in the market, but now they've added bullets to their gun so they can do that shit again. Remember the old adage, the markets can stay stupid longer than you can remain solvent. If you can remember that, through these next few months, you'll probably do all right. So what do you do by remembering that? You don't pull any major triggers. You buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin, but just getting freaked out and selling everything, probably not a good idea. 
Speaking of somebody who's buying something, here we go with Peter Thiel. Former PayPal CEO Peter Thiel's Founders Fund has bought $100 million worth of Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine, Nick Hoffman is writing. (coughs) Founders Fund, the venture capital firm founded by billionaire Peter Thiel, has invested $100 million into Bitcoin. Sources exclusively informed Reuters. The firm has allocated a total of $200 million to acquire both Bitcoin and another cryptocurrency, even split between the two. This maneuver further highlights the return of institutional investors to Bitcoin. Founders Fund, an early institutional investor in Bitcoin, initially bought BTC in 2014, but liquidated its holdings before the 2022 crash, earning approximately $1.8 billion. The firm resumed its Bitcoin investments last summer, strategically acquiring Bitcoin and another cryptocurrency when the prices were below $30,000. Teal, known for his libertarian views and co-founding PayPal, and God forbid Palantir, has publicly endorsed Bitcoin, praising its attributes as a store of value and hedge against central bank policies. With assets exceeding $12 billion under management, Founders Fund continues to expand its portfolio. This resurgence comes after a challenging period for the Bitcoin market in 2022, marked by the collapse of major players like crypto exchange FTX. And then it goes into a little bit more price action. Here's the thing with what Peter Thiel's doing. You may hate him, and I'm I'm not a fan of Peter Thiel because the whole Palantir thing. And if you don't know what Palantir is, ah, it's... Just data gathering on a scale that should actually frighten you, but we'll leave it we'll leave it there. And data gathering on you and, and me, by the way. So yeah, that we'll put it we'll just keep it there. Um he's not dumb. I may hate him, you may hate him, and he may actually be this evil individual because of the Palantir and whatnot, but he's not dumb. And he saw the writing on the wall with FTX and Alameda and the what whatever of Terra Labs and all that kind of stuff, and he punched out. He took his gains. He punched out and he waited. One of the things that Peter Thiel and a lot of these investors have that are in line with what Bitcoiners have been learning over the past fifteen years is what a low time preference will actually do for you. Peter Thiel been sitting on a shitload of cash. He made $1.3 billion by selling when he did. I'm not suggesting you sell your Bitcoin. I'm just saying that we do have something in common with these people that are truly successful. I mean, whether you hate him or not, Peter Thiel's a very successful person. And he's successful because he has a low time preference. He has what's known as patience. Just saying. I'm just saying. Whatever it is that we start thinking that we're above and, you know, above and beyond all these people, just remember that the people we're trying to get away from have actually been practicing low time preference for a lot longer than we have. We're learning the trick and that trick is going to be what propels us forward into the future. So even Peter Thiel is seeing that the storm is pretty much at its end. And I'm talking about the hurricane that hit along with the whole FTX and Terra Luna stuff. We're on the very backside of this hurricane. It's almost done. We got a couple of other idiots to shake out and we can come on into this next epoch. But 
as far as I can tell, Peter Thiel has been has basically seen the bottom, and now he's back in. You take that for what it's worth. Now, let's take this for what it's worth. The Bitcoin ETF first month is now in the books. How it went, what comes next? Helene Braun and Ian Allison is writing this one for Coindesk. Excitement was high. About one month ago, when TradFi finally got the regulatory go-ahead to launch an entirely new investment vehicle for crypto, the process of bringing to the U.S. market a spot Bitcoin ETF took more than 10 years. But on January the 11th, 10 such products finally began trading, and it's been a hell of a ride since. Quote, these ETFs have done very, very well, said Brian Evans, CEO and founder of BDE Ventures, We're seeking big inflows now, and the euphoria phase is certainly kicking in now. In quote, the new ETFs have added on average a net of $125 million worth of Bitcoin each day over the past four weeks. This is despite heavy outflows, more than $6 billion in total, from the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which has far higher fees than other Bitcoin ETFs in just a month. The Bitcoin funds XGBTC have accumulated over $11 billion worth of Bitcoin with three of the ETFs, IBIT, FBTC, and ARCB topping the $1 billion mark in assets under management. In fact, as of the end of Monday, IBIT was nearing $5 billion in assets under management and FBTC was just shy of four. BlackRock's fund has even made it into the top five of all ETFs based on 2024 inflows, putting it on similar levels with industry-leading indexing giants like the iShares Core S&P 500 ETF and the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF. Quote, IBIT is rubbing elbows with the biggest and the best, said Bloomberg Intelligence's Eric Balchunas. The fast accumulation is affecting Bitcoin's price, which... After a brief sell-the-news tumble in the days following the first of day of trading on January the 11th, has rebounded as of late, carving out a multi-year high above $50,000 on Monday. So what's next? The high demand that has made the spot Bitcoin ETF launch so successful could cause some headaches in the near future. Net inflows of late are necessitating the purchase of thousands of Bitcoin per day multiples higher than the 900 fresh tokens mined each day, a number that will then be reduced to 450 when the Bitcoin halving event occurs in April. Add to this the fact it's still only been a month since the spot ETF launch, and many, if not most, major wealth management platforms have yet to offer the products to their clients. The success so far of the ETFs have come with one hand tied behind their back, as ETF store president Nate Garachi put it, suggesting that a lot more demand will come once distribution increases. Quote, as firms begin covering the name, putting portfolio strategists to work determining allocations for different investor bases, the inflows are likely to exceed any ETF product before it, said Falcon X's Sheffield. ETF insiders are well aware of large amounts of U.S. wealth managers and registered investment advisors are yet to come in as these networks are bound by fiduciary standards to a defined period of due diligence. This period of observance 
would normally mean 90 trading days to pass from the launch of a novel product like these Bitcoin ETFs, as well as various volume thresholds and assets under management criteria amounting to about six months of lag time. However, in this case, the wait is looking like it will be much shorter. According to Shui Chung, CEO of CF Benchmarks, a crypto indexing specialist that works with a number of spot Bitcoin ETFs, including BlackRock's iBit Fund. Uh, yeah, sorry, uh, the sentence got, got weird there for a second and I became distracted. <coughs> Chung told Coindesk that his firm has been contacted by a couple of large RIA networks and wealth management companies located in U.S. retirement hotspots like Florida and California who are seeking to do the due diligence now. Quote, we're talking about platforms who individually count assets under management and assets under advisory in excess of $1 trillion. So the relative success of the ETF so far means that the people who actually gather the information to put in risk packs are doing that now, Chung said. Quote, they know that come the 90th day, these products will cross all the thresholds, and there are advisors that wish to allocate. A very big sluice gate that was previously shut will open, very likely in about two months' time. I, I'm glad they reiterated that, uh, that last, uh, in, in that last paragraph, this observance of 90 days. And if you missed what the 90-day observance is, it's this. ETF insiders are aware of a large amount of U.S. wealth managers and registered investment advisors, they're yet to come in because these networks are bound by fiduciary standards to a defined period of due diligence. This period of observance would normally mean 90 trading days. That's the period of observance. So what does this mean? This means that on the day, that the ETFs opened on their first day of trading, a clock was set. And that clock was set to 90 days. Okay, 90 days for what? 90 days for the rest of the people to get their shit in line so that they can start offering these products to their investors. They have to wait 90 days minimum because that's the way most fiduciary Uh, for lack of better term, contracts are written. You like, basically it's like me. It's like me going up to uh, somebody who's going to invest my money. And I say, when a new product comes online, how much time do you spend uh, on that to make sure that it's okay to, for me to put my money into before you call me and say, Hey, we've got a new product. They they're most of them are going to say 90 days. That's just standard across the board. So from the from January the 10th or January the 11th, whenever these, these things came down the pipe, from that day, that timer started. 90 days from January the 11th is when you're going to see the rest of retail start jumping in. That's probably not going to be small potatoes. I'm, I'm just saying. So just be aware, we're, we're not done with this shit yet. We're just not done at all. Let's run the numbers.
CNBC futures and commodities. I got West Texas. Earl is up 1.08% to $77.76 a barrel. Brent North Sea is up 0.82% to 82.67. Natural gas, lowest I've ever seen it, $1.67 per thousand cubic feet. That is 5.5% to the downside on natural gas. I haven't seen natural gas this low in like five years. Let me actually, let me look at the chart. Let me, let me grab this thing and let's look at this thing together. And um, for the guys over there in a zap.stream. Ooh, wow. JD guy, you've got a really good point there, buddy. Uh, JD guys over here in the zap stream. And he says 90 days would put them right around the having. Yeah. Let that sink in. So check this chart out, man. Let's do five years. Okay. Sometime around here, we had a close of $1.49 per thousand cubic feet. And that looked to be on June the 28th, somewhere around there. Yeah. June the 28th. And beyond that, not really. This is the lowest we've seen it in five years. Let's look at all. Okay. So 95 in 1995, Wow. Wow. Holy shit. We haven't seen prices this low since 1995, except for that June 28th date that I just gave you. Since 1995, we haven't seen natural gas prices this low. Freaking amazing. Oh my God. That's just, wow. That's good job administration for killing the liquid natural gas plants. All right, all your shiny metal rocks are down. Gold is down to just above $2,000 an ounce. That's after a 1.5% to the downside change. Silver is down 3%. Platinum is down 2.16. Copper is down a half. Palladium is down four and a quarter. Got lumber is, or uh, agriculture is fully mixed. Biggest winner today is going to be chocolate, 1.11% to the upside. Biggest loser today is coffee. 1.9% to the downside. Live cattle's down a half. Lean hogs are basically flat. Feeder cattle are down a third. The Dow is down two points. S&P is down two points. NASDAQ is down over two points. And the S&P mini is down 3.15%. So nobody, nobody got away from the CPI numbers. Everybody in Wall Street was completely 100% taken by surprise I guess everybody thought that May was going to be when they started lowering rates. And I am here to tell you, no, maybe midsummer, maybe midsummer, but that's a stretch. I almost have this gut feeling that we won't see interest rates going anywhere, north or south until after September. Uh, that's just my gut feeling. Who knows if I'm right? I'm just going to say it. If I'm wrong, somebody write it down. Hey, say and make the you know write down my prediction just there, and then just get all over me if I'm wrong because I'll probably forget what the hell I said. Right now, we are dealing with the price of forty nine thousand two hundred and ten dollars on Bitcoin. That is nine hundred and sixty five point nine billion dollars of market cap, with a money supply of nineteen million six hundred twenty six thousand eight hundred seventeen point ninety nine BTC in circulation. Average block size right now is 1.67 megabytes in size. 
Hash rate looking to be 584 and a half exahashes per second. Average fees per block are 0.43 BTC and the block space percentage being used for ordinals and other scumbaggery is 1.5% on a 30-day basis. So there's that. Mempool, what are we looking at? We are looking at, let's see, 132,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting on just under 200 blocks to clear mempools around the world. And you're going to be able to do that at high priority prices of 20 Satoshis per V-byte on transactions, low priority selling for 15 Satoshis per V-byte. And it looks like anything under 3.17 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged for mempools around the world. This is good news. I like it. Hash rate, according to mempool.space, is 521.9 exahashes per second. All right, from the two, three people that boosted me for episode, what was it? D's Macadamias, episode number $854. Um, letter 6173 with 10,000 sats, brother. Hard money for hard work. Great episode. Thank you, sir. Buys nerds that, that remember my friend maple trade that the guy that sells maple syrup and his sister Sarah soaps. This is the guy. I thought you said you didn't know marketing. You made my syrup sound so good that I almost bought some. A few circle P people have been asking already. Here's a boost to start the year off. That's 5,000 Satoshis. Thank you, maple trade. I appreciate that. Nick underscore dose 1369 says cheers. Well, cheers. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Starting this one off with Lightning Loop version 27.0 beta sweep batcher. Lightning Loop is a non-custodial service offered by Lightning Labs that makes it easy to move Bitcoin into and out of the Lightning Network. This is NoBSBitcoin.com. So what's new? Well, sweep batcher is what they're calling it. It's a new subsystem that was added that handles all the loop out sweeps quote successful loop out HTLCs will no longer be swept back to the wallet via individual transactions, but will instead form a single transaction that holds multiple inputs and pays to a single output. Oh, thank God. I'll explain this in a second. This will significantly reduce chain fee costs Uh, as it's using less block space by directly consolidating all of the HTLCs to one single address. Quote, loopouts that pay to non-wallet addresses will still use individual transactions as their output cannot be mutated. What the hell does this mean? Okay. Let's say that I've got a couple of, you know, more than a few channels on a lightning node that I am fully in control of. They're my channels. I opened them. Now I want to close them. And I use Sweet Batcher to close all of these, like let's say three three channels at a time. In the old days, <clears throat> if I close all those three channels out, they're going to go back to the wallet that I constructed them with. And if they're different wallets, yeah, well, they're each going to go back. And that means like three single on-chain transactions. This looks to me like what they're doing is saying, look, I don't care how these things got opened. I'm not sending the Bitcoin in these channels when you close them back to the wallet address that you use to open them with. 
I'm going to build you a new wallet address. And all three, no matter where they came from, no matter how you open these channels, since they're yours and yours to close, and you can cryptographically prove that, I'm going to sweep them all together as a single batch transaction into this brand new wallet. So you get a couple of things going for you. You get consolidation of UTXOs at the same time that you get a brand new wallet address. So you can, that if you do it right, they can kind of help you keep track of where all this shit's going. But the real meat and potato here is the fact that this is sweeping together multiple different closures into the same UTXO. This is going to be great, especially when it comes time to close down all of our test lightning payment channels that we all opened because we were two years ago and we were all being reckless, right? So we were just opening like 1 million SAT channels, 500,000 SAT channels. Well, that's pretty much kind of not going to be happening like any, you know, we're not going to be opening those size channels anymore. Although we might. I mean, if, if, if Bitcoin goes, let's, let's say Bitcoin hits a quarter of a million dollars per coin. Well, then all of a sudden, a one million Satoshi channel kind of makes sense. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of USD equivalent liquidity represented by a single one million sat channel. But as of right now, as of today, the way that the Lightning Network is going, the way payments are going, these smaller channels, you're going to want to get rid of them. What if you've got 200 of them? Well, let's say you've got 200, 100,000 sat um, uh, payment channels and you've got to close them. You're going to close them all and you're going to do it in a high fee environment. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to close them all and have all of the Bitcoin get basically gotten back to just a single UTXO? Just think about that. So really happy to see this thing called Sweet Batcher. I may have gotten some of that wrong because some of this is above my pay grade, but I'm pretty sure that I'm almost, almost there on that one. Now, the Moster Bridge, M-O-S-T-R, like Noster, but spelt with an M. The Moster Bridge now supports zaps between Noster and Fediverse. So what the hell is going on with this? Again, no BSBitcoin.com. Moster, M-O-S-T-R, is a bridge between Noster and and the Fediverse, you know, stuff like ActivityPub, Mastodon, etc., etc. It allows users on both networks to communicate through a Monster server. Quote, last year we launched the Monster Bridge connecting ActivityPub and Monster together. Users on the Fediverse can start accepting zaps today. To get started, just add a Lightning address to your profile and save, announced Alex Gleason. Quote, just add a custom profile field to the edit profile screen using a lightning bolt emoji as the label and your Bitcoin lightning address as the content. Now users on Noster will see a zap button by each of your posts. Now I'm going to stop right there and basically say, if I, the way that what he's talking about, he's not talking about your profile on Noster. He's talking about if you have like a Mastodon or activity pub profile, that's where you use a custom profile field and you do that in the edit profile screen of Mastodon or ActivityPub or whatever client you're using to speak in, in, in the Fediverse. And then you use a lightning bolt emoji as the label 
and then your Bitcoin Lightning address as the content. Now, I've already done this on my noauthority.social account that I've got for, you know, the No Agenda show. <clears throat> I have yet to see anybody zap it, but that doesn't mean that it can't happen. We'll just have to see. I'm just glad that we're starting to see bridging between Noster and the Fediverse. You may not like the Fediverse, but I would rather it be bridging there than the bridging that I that I used to see via MOA bridge between Twitter and the Fediverse, like Mastodon and ActivityPub, where you could cross post. But in this particular case, you you know what 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 Gleason has done is he's allowing people on Mastodon to zap you with your Lightning Network address. It's a bigger thing than I think anybody's giving it credit for, but we'll have to see what kind of adoption it gets. In either event, quote, users on Noster will then be able to send you zaps on all of your posts. You won't get an in-app notification for the zaps, but your Lightning wallet might notify you. Quote, but can activity pub users zap Noster users? Can activity pub users zap other activity pub users? And the answer is yes, but, but, but it does require a few extra steps. Incredibly, it was discovered that Zapple Pay can be used in conjunction with the Monster Bridge to enable ActivityPub users to send zaps to both Nostra users and to other ActivityPub users. As it turns out, Apple's censorship is our empowerment. Remember that you don't have to enable Zapple Pay to receive zaps, just to send it. So, if you don't do these set steps, it's still worth setting up a Lightning address to at least receive zaps. By leveraging existing technology in the ecosystem, sats can now flow between Noster and the Fediverse. This is a first step into the journey of integrating payments with Soapbox. Keep your eyes out for Ditto, D-I-T-T-O, releasing this year which includes a very unique lightning feature never seen before, along with first-class Zap integrations. And special thanks to Ben the Carmen for debugging Zapple Pay with me. So go check out Alex, uh, Alex Gleason's uh, uh, Noster profile. Uh, Gleason is spelled, by the way, Gleason, where's Gleason's name? I want to make sure that this is right. G-L-E-A-S-O-N. G-L-E-A-S-O-N. Chances are good if you type in Gleason or Alex Gleason into the Noster search bar on one of your clients, you're probably going to find Alex Gleason and you can go find out more about all this stuff there. Also, uh, the uh, uh, the URL to this particular uh, news story along with all the rest of the news story will be in the uh, show notes. So just go, you can go look for them there. Gordian Seed Tool version 1.6.0 has been released. It is a cryptographic seed manager for iOS and Mac OS devices. Again, no bsbitcoin.com. Gordian Seed Tool, the at blockchain commons iOS exemplar for protecting and using your cryptographic seeds has been updated. The Gordian Seed Tool is a seed vault a place to store your cryptographic secrets, but it can also be used to sign partially signed Bitcoin transactions or PBSTs or to output keys to wallets. 
Fundamentally, Gordon Seed Tool is meant to be an exemplar of best practices, how to store seeds securely, how to back them up, how to use them securely. It's also an exemplar for blockchain comms, commons developer specifications such as Envelope and SSKR. 1.6 demonstrates how Envelope can be used to export seeds with metadata including notes, dates, and even descriptors. This can be crucial for recovering funds from a specific derivation path. It also shows how, how data Elysian works in Envelope. If there's too much content for a specific storage medium, metadata is elided and can hopefully be recovered from a different share or backup. The newest version of the Gordian Seed tool also makes improvements to Hex, BIP39, and ByteWords entry. These are equally crucial methods for recovering data. 1.6 has more than half a year's of advances in its specifications, best practices, and other expansions. So if you're a fan of the Gordian Seed tool, it has been upgraded to version 1.6. Go get it. Check it out. Let me know if you like it or not. I have yet to use it or check it out. So, But this is something that I use quite a bit. No strudel. It is a Nostra client. I love checking out Nostra clients and no strudel, Coracle, Primal, Domus on my iPhone. These are my these are my very favorites. There's there's more. You know, there's Satellite Earth, this is one of my favorites, but there's so many of them that it's hard to keep track of. No strudel is one of my favorites, along with Coracle and Primal. And they have a new version, version 0.38.3, OAuth flow, offline mode. And more. And this is no BS Bitcoin as well. No strudel. 0.38.0 is finally released. I've added and changed a ton of stuff and honestly should have released this as multiple smaller versions, but I kept getting distracted, said at HZRD149 or Hazard149. If you want to play around with all the new features, you can find the client at nostrudel.ninja. That's no strudel. You know, strudel like the German dessert strudel, no strudel.ninja, or you can run it locally using Docker. Cool. And if you use the app or if you find the app useful, you'd feel free to set up an auto zap using Zapple Pay. It's it basically it, it's a, a link to does added for the developer. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what's new? Support for Insect Bunker and the new OAuth flow has been added. They added simple launch pad view. Most stuff will be added in the future. Not sure exactly what, what that means yet because I haven't seen the new version. Restore scroll position when returning to the timeline. Ah, thank you. That was driving me nuts. I hate having to re-scroll every time I, if I go look at a note. Like, you know, expand the note out and then I go back. It would jump my timeline all the way to the beginning. I hate that stuff. Um, so they fixed that apparently. Show unavailable events in threads. They've also organized all the other stuff in a tools page. Added support to cache events and local relays instead of the browser cache. Full change log with all its changes can be found at this link. All right. So the new no strudel is out. I can't wait to try it. You try it out as well. Let me know if you like it. Okay, SATCOM. This is the last one up for the day. A collaborative layer for internet browsing experience. 
NoBSBitcoin.com brings it to you. SACCOM is a Chrome extension that integrates web content and online discussions. Powered by Noster, SATCOM ups the social protocol game by adding a social layer to the web browser experience. It is currently on the Chrome Web Store. It introduces a dynamic social and collaborative dimension to the internet, revolutionizing online conversations, now available on, again, the Chrome Web Store, announced at Jingles, I guess is the developer, J-I-N-G-L-E-S. By integrating web content with online discussions, it enables collaborative knowledge sharing, revolutionizing how we engage with information online. You can download the extension here. All right, so I have yet to, I mean, I've got the extension. I'm not sure how it works. But what it looks like to me is that you can sort of have a collaborative discussion with other people across the face of the globe about a certain web page, like, like, or a maybe it's a news story. I'm not, that's what it looks like. However, I've, I mean, like I said, I've got the extension enabled. It's in my Chrome browser. I've got all the stuff. Can't seem to figure out how to make it work just yet. But then again, I only, you know, installed it just to kind of play around with it like four minutes before I hit play or record on this particular podcast. And speaking of, that's going to do it for what is now the Afternoon Roundup. Okay, these are from The Very Embarrassing Book of Dad Jokes by Ian Allen. Let's see, uh, where did Napoleon keep his armies? Up his sleeves. Why did the banana go to the doctors? Because he wasn't peeling very well. Oh, oh. oh, God. How do you get into a house with no doors and no windows? Keep running around it until you're all in. Okay, I'm, I'm just done. I'm, I'm already done with that one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're liking the shorter show formats. 45 minutes isn't exactly short, but it's a hell of a lot shorter than an hour and a half, which is what I've, I, I've been known to do hour and a half shows. I've been at least doing, you know, one hour and 10 minute shows. So 46 minutes, whatever, pretty good. Not bad for, for a short show without going so short that the people that like the longer shows get pissed. So tell me what you think. Is it better this way? Let me know. Either boostagram me or throw me a DM over there in Noster and I will catch you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.